This is Back to Debbie, a show brought to you by Campus to Ken. This podcast specializes in collegiate football players and their potential for future fantasy success in the NFL. I'm your host, Mike B. This is my co-host, Corey P. And this episode is for all the scouts out there. Uh, the wannabe scouts, at least, like us, because we, you know, we want to be scouts. But, you know, I see Corey just real talk for a second. They don't, I don't think they make a lot of money in the next level. So I don't know if I really want to be a scout. I like the it's idea a, of a scout. It seems, like a, it seems like a grind. A lot of traveling, a lot of motels, a lot of, yeah. yeah. And it's not, it's not <laughs> worth the money because they get benefits of travel. And it's like, it's not, anyway, anyway, <laughs> let's focus back on it. Uh, today's episode will be a discussion slash breakdown of positional roles and then traits for those roles. Uh, and, and what we look for in the prospect, obviously, in those parameters. So, but first, Corey with the news. Yeah, and if I did a, a big news segment here, it would probably be a pretty big disservice to our uh, C2A days that we have going on on YouTube right now. Um, they're covering the in-depth news on scrimmages from this past weekend, um, as well as uh, the fantastic job done by Nate Marquise. Uh, just this past Monday, who dived into all the latest buzz on chasing the natty. Um, so I'm going to focus on a few select things here. But if you want a more in-depth look at the news, be sure to check out those other options. But some news that is maybe more important for Debbie circumstances. Um, looking at some of the QB battles going on. Uh, Alabama had its scrimmage this past weekend. And according to 247, it's looking like it's going to be Jalen Milrow's job. Um, he had two pa- passing touchdowns. He had a deep bomb to Burton. One rushing touchdown as well. Um, it also notes that Tyler Buckner is tab as the clear third he struggled he's been turning the ball over which it's constantly remained a problem for him um heading over to the arizona state quarterback battle where drew pine suffered a hamstring injury in saturday's practice don't care about him so much but taking him out of the equation now we have a new name emerging that's freshman Jaden rashada who apparently had the best scrimmage of the three uh flashed some nice arm talent there that the others don't seem to have dillingham is not ready to call him out yet he was actually taking first team reps on monday so this is this definitely an interesting development i'm going to be keeping my eye on he's been a guy who's been rising up my rankings throughout this cycle i think i have him as a top 20 quarterback maybe top 25 he's like my quarterback seven in the class so that that hookup with dillingham there definitely something to watch and uh, not really a camp battle but people have been wondering if aiden childs could push uh, dju this year at oregon state but apparently dju is finally turning it around had a fantastic scrimmage uh counted for three touchdowns and is starting to look more comfortable uh, after some of the on uh, ominous early reporting uh coming out in the spring only one injury update that I feel is important to tell everybody. That's uh, a guy who's been pretty buzzy this offseason. That's Antoine Wells, uh, Juice Wells over at South Carolina. He's got a lower body injury with no timetable. Uh, I just haven't heard much positivity from it. So that's the only thing that that's hanging on me a little bit. Just something to watch right there. Um, and I also thought it would just kind of be interesting to see how some of our favorite freshmen are doing. Just going to hit this uh, like a rapid fire. Shelton Sampson, wide receiver over at LSU, taking first team reps and and, and buzzing throughout camp right now. Arch Manning, uh, quarter, uh, freshman quarterback at Texas, apparently had a fantastic scrimmage, had a 50-yard run. Um, and C.J. Baxter is establishing himself as the one-two punch with a strong performance in that scrimmage. Um, Mark Fletcher, Fletcher uh, running back over at Miami, is pushing for a day-one role, a potential short yardage goal line role. He hammered in two touchdowns there. Uh, Ruben Owens is standing out as a receiver. Um, Ole Miss, uh, Aiden, wider, Aiden Williams, wide receiver over there. He led the team in receiving during the scrimmage. And Cordell Russell singled out as a standout during the scrimmage. Although I could not find a, a stat line over him for uh, TCU there. Uh, speaking of the freshmen, uh, my co-host here, Mike Valerie, he's been releasing some of his updated freshman rankings throughout the offseason. Now that we're kind of approaching the season, you highlighted some of your biggest movers and some of the newest graphics you posted. If anybody wants to see those, uh, head on over to Mike's Twitter. That's at, at FF underscore Dirty Mike. 
Um, but I want to ask you some questions here. you got some movers here. I want to start with the wide receivers. Uh, let's start right at the top here. You have a new wide receiver one in John Tay Cook, which doesn't really require much conversation, but you've dropped Branch down to number four. Any reason that you're starting to sour on Zachariah Branch specifically? It's not like sour. It's I just think Jonte and then Carnal takes number two are like the safest picks, and they're like in my tier one. Uh, Branch mm. is still a tier one guy for me. I'm just, you know, I'm a sizist. He's he's five foot nine and a half. This guy is either gonna be Jalen Waddle next level, or he's gonna be one of those run of the mill stretch slot wide not stretch slot, but just stretch wide receivers. Those feel stretchers. So he's either special or he's not, and there's like no in between, and that kind of scares me as a drafter. So I would rather take safer picks than branch but again like i still think he's super talented he's still my wide receiver four i'm just worried yeah i mean i'm i'm not totally against it in a sense like zachary branch was my early number one i actually had makai lemon as like my early one too way early in the process i I had him up there too yeah yeah and then uh, i don't know just when i was actually faced with the decision in drafts yeah the size did come in in into play there like i think you're hoping that this guy's going to be like Tyree Killer or Jalen Waddle. And yeah, he looks the part, but I mean, still, those guys are like unicorns kind of in the grand scheme of things. It's hard to rely on that. I actually opted for Carnell Tate in one. I opted for Jonte Cook as well in another one. So I think maybe I got to look at my rankings as well. Uh, but you have a, a newcomer to your wide receiver list as well. Uh, and that's coming in right at number 10 uh, with Nebraska's Malachi Coleman. Very athletic, uh, kind of raw athlete. Um, what made you put him in the top 10? Uh and who did you take out in his place? Okay, so I took out Nathan Leacock, uh, wide receiver for uh, Tennessee, but I, he's at my 11, though. I, I'm moving down one spot. Um, I was low on Coleman, like outside my top 15 low on Coleman, uh, because when I was watching his tape, I was trying to like search, not just like his huddle tape, I was trying to search what's on YouTube. And I found a play with him like running a route. It was lazily ran. Uh, the DB definitely got lost. It was like some super small white kid. It's Nebraska, you know, so, some, some, some small athletic white kid couldn't keep up with him, but the safety did. And the safety got, the safety probably has like Coleman has six inches on this safety from height alone. This safety hmm. gets more vertical than him on the jump and has the pass breakup. And I'm just like sitting there, like, I don't know this route. He continues to live rent free in my head, and I'm kind of like it's just the player that he is. Because like this safety, I don't know who that safety was. I try to find his name. I'm sure he's unranked. I'm sure it's just some guy. But like I was like, is this what I'm gonna get at the next level? Because I don't want that on my teams. Uh, but the Polynesian Bowl, he really he looked just absolutely different out there. Uh, so I kind of wrote that one play in my mind as an outlier, and I I like Coleman the athlete, and I like Coleman the um the opportunity. So I'm kind of combining those two things. He's also got uh, the head coach there, Matt Rule, who was successful in developing some guys like him. I think was he credited with Josh Gordon's development? Is that correct? There, I at Baylor. I can't remember time? to be honest. So I, I know he has some some success with freaky athletic X's. I know Denzel Mims. I think was at the end of his tenure as well. Might have been like the beginning mm-hmm. of his of Denzel Mims' career. But uh, but yeah. So I, I'm kind of betting on the athletic upside and the opportunity there. And. Uh, then Felix broke, I want to say like two days ago, that Xavier Betts is no longer on the team. The guy that was a presumed X receiver starting for Nebraska. So, again, that clears up a little bit more room for uh, for Malachi Coleman to get on the field earlier. So it's really ups- it's really athletic upside and um, opportunity. 
Yeah, and once you really start getting to like the 10 range in any of our freshman rankings, that's maybe when I start like just shooting for a little more upside, I guess. Like even, you know, even if you swing forward and you miss a little bit, it might be better than like the like okay guy that you might put there that's a little bit safer or something like that. So I don't mind shooting for some of the upside here. And yeah, he was a guy that also climbed for me during that that all-star phase. I remember some of our C2C recruiting team was a little bit uh, low on him in the beginning, but then I remember big wide receiver guy kind of talking about some of the things he was doing um, it, it, during the all-star circuit as well, which kind of made him climb for me as well so very athletic kid six four something like that as well right like big frame on him yeah six skinny, four two hundred so, yeah so uh so not bad definitely some upside over there uh let's head over to your running back updates um i can probably say the most eye-popping ranking here would be uh having texas AM running back ruben owens all the way down at 10 a fall of three spots for you so you were already starting a little bit lower but uh, what's starting to affect this ranking for you why does he keep falling it was more like other guys got in front of him, addition by subtraction there, you know, or subtraction mm-hmm. by addition. Um, but I, again, my main concern is I don't really know if I see the high-end like NFL athleticism out of him. Like, I think he can be a very superb college, like, running back. Um, and then I know you make fun of me for the age thing, but <laughs> I didn't play soccer at the level that that Austin Nace did because uh, I, was, I was, like, you know, like, third level, like, college, like uh, travel, like, growing up. So, like, I, I got – like pretty good looks out of like the local community college. Like that's the level that I've like people that looked at me for soccer. I remember being 15 entering into a U15 to U17 tournament. And we're like, a, we're a mid-level team at D at, at our like level anyway. Like we're not like super special as far as our level goes, but we went into a U17 tournament and like these 17 year old teams that were rated like a little bit lower than us in their age group was just dunking on us. Just absolutely shitting on us. I couldn't compete. Like, this guy is stronger, bigger, faster than me. Like, I couldn't <laughs> compete. And so I think about Ruben Owens, who's, like, 20 years old in high school. And I'm like, well, this guy should be shitting on these little high school kids. Like, he's, he's a grown man. He should be more developed and more experienced than these other kids he's playing against. I mean, some of these high schoolers are probably 14, 15 years old. Like, these freshmen, sophomores that fill in for injured players. And I, I think the expectations for him to do better, and just looking even at his raw stats, even his game tape, I didn't know if he was exceptional. I thought he was really good. I didn't know if he was exceptional. So I'm a little bit out because I thought the expectation to be 20 years old, he should have hit a little bit higher. Yeah, I kind of like the opportunity there at Texas A&M, though. I mean, I guess like yeah, I don't really absolutely. think I don't really think anybody is like standing out over there. Uh, I mean, they've had they've all had their opportunities to kind of be the guy, and no one's really taken seas of it. I mean, only like second year for like a guy like Le- Le'Veon Moss. So we'll see what kind of happens there. But you know, earlier reports have been like pretty solid. Ruben Owens has been like flashing as like the the speediest and best pass catcher uh, of the three, and it kind of makes me wonder if he could be like kind of in that early uh, Devonta Chain role that they had at Texas A&M before he became the guy. Like if you could kind of be that complimentary player that flashes, gets split up wide a little bit. So um, I'm kind of a little bit more excited for him. Um, talking about the guys you added in front of him, you're saying you're adding a couple guys. You got two newcomers to the list. One is Quentin Joyner out of USC. Uh, I spoke to you a couple of weeks ago that he entered my top seven conversation at running back. Um, you've got him here at number eight after a strong spring. Uh, did I read that? Yeah, eight after a strong yeah, spring. That's right. um, and you've got another interesting guy here in Illinois freshman running back, Caden Fegan, coming in at number nine on your list. A very intriguing player, uh, but one that some might not know a lot about. Uh, do you care to expand on what puts him as a top 10 running back for you? I was against him early on in the process. Big Rod Super guys DM me on Twitter to try to adjust my grade for him. Uh, he's a bigger guy. Came from uh, came from Illinois, so he he didn't really play top end competition. But uh, he does have really good build up speed. His footwork is good. I just need to improve his vision. Again, it's high school. Uh, 
his footwork was fine. He had fast feet for his size. And just on paper, it's just so comparable to Braylon Allen. It kind of like hurts how comparable he is to him. Mm-hmm. And so I'm looking at athletic traits and just similar to the Ruben Owens that you explained there. I don't think Illinois depth charts that special. I know, uh, like, is it Cray? Is it McRae? Josh McRae, yeah. Josh McRae's there. I think he's a little overrated for my taste, even though I don't think he starts. But Caden Fegan was there in the spring. Coaches were talking about him positively, saying that he's just a sponge in information and he like learns really fast too. So I hope he's a high IQ player. I do like the traits. He already has the size. He's got a really good build too. Uh, so I'm hoping that he's a quick study and a quick transition into, into the uh, collegiate space there. But again, compared to Ruben Owens, I see more NFL traits in Caden Fegan was a very high three-star over Ruben Owens. Yeah, I guess there's some pedigree difference there, I guess. Like yeah. Ruben Owens, like Massive. a little bit more attention there. But um, I was pretty interested in Fegan as well. He came in, I think, in my early rankings as running back 10. I don't know. I, I, I think I moved him around a little bit. He might have dropped a little bit for me. I can't remember exactly where he's ranked. But I guess, you know, the low level of competition, a little bit of a room to climb there. He does fit the, like, archetype that they seem to like there. I mean, they got Josh McCray, who's, like, exact same build as him. And then you got Fegan, who's, like, now the more athletic guy. He just kind of needs to refine his game a little bit. Um, but he is probably the highest upside in that room for a team that loves to run the ball as well. We saw what they did with Chase Brown last year. So, I mean, if, if Josh McCray goes down or something like that, they might turn to, to Fegan. I know Reggie Love is over there as well, but I think, I think they kind of view him as just more of a reliable fallback option. I think it's really going to be, uh, Josh McCray this year and maybe even Fegan if Josh McCray goes down. So, um, your, your quarterback list feels pretty status quo. I would have to say just looking at it. Um, but you've recently added Austin Mack in at 10. Um, is there a reason that you've kind of added him to the list here at the, at the back end here? Yeah. Him and Rashada were, uh, risers for me. I struggled with Rashada at nine. He's at nine right now. Rashada's at nine, Mac mm-hmm. at 10, uh, of Arizona state. Um, cause I didn't really like the player, the whole NIL situation really kind of scared me off him too. And then me and you have talked about it behind the scenes is we're really, we're really in love with the coach there. It's the Dillingham mm-hmm. that we're really in love with there. And you just, called off the injury to Drew Pine. He's got some run with the ones and there's some good hype out of late, late summer for him. So I'm into that. And that's kind of the same idea with Mac here. I really like the coaching system here. I like the size. He's very young for his age. He had a really good junior season, junior season or sophomore season. I think he skipped. He's, he's already young for his age. I think he skipped yeah, he class. Skipped his senior year. Yeah. Yeah. But his junior year was pretty efficient too, from a passing standpoint. So I really do like the system there. And then, uh, just going to talk about the three guys behind him. Kenny Minchie's from uh, Notre Dame. I like him too. I just don't know what his upside is. Sam Levis, I also love the player, but I don't like the team or the coaches there. It's, it's Michigan yeah. State. And then Lincoln Kineholz, I feel super confident saying that he's not touching the field in two years because obviously it's Kyle McCoy this year. Devin Brown's clearly staying because Ohio State finds these players that are loyal to the system. So Devin Brown will play next year. And then uh, – they have Aaron Nolan coming in, who I think is already better than Kinehole. So I, I know for a fact he's not playing for two years. And I feel pretty confident he's not going to play there for three years. So he's got to go somewhere else. But if he stays there, I don't want I don't want to play that game. Yeah, I mean, we could. Who knows? Maybe we're looking at the next Kyle McCord though. Eventually, just stays long <laughs> enough to get his chance. Maybe two years down the road or something. But yeah, he lasted all the way till what in our league of record draft, like round. You took like, him, bro. Like I forgot even to ask my cue. Like, yeah, yeah, man. I took. Like I was like, I guess no one's gonna take him. But I have the same concerns. Like I just don't under. I just don't know when he's gonna see the field. It's a complete upside shot in the dark. 
you're almost hoping he transfers out and gets you to are start yeah you else, are but, praying for a transfer and feeling good yeah. about it too yeah and then like sam levitt too i just can't get behind the michigan state thing sorry dwight i'm i'm very sorry you, you know the state of your team though man it's just it's hard to get behind anything that's really going on over there right now yeah, um sure. but if you guys want any more news on all your favorite freshmen uh what they're doing in camp make sure you guys head over to the campus can youtube page um where our news contributor uh, nicholas ian allen is recapping all the latest news giving you guys in-depth look at the inside of training camps right now also be sure to head over to the website at campusacanton.com where you can purchase our cff devi or supplemental draft guides with all the information needed to attack your drafts this offseason those are a 20 dollars one-time purchase or become a member with one of our many subscription options some of which include access to those draft guides and access to all the awesome tools you guys see posted all over twitter um, we also just debuted the brand new c2c winning edge which is a collaboration with cfb winning edge to help bring you guys the amazing in-depth work on school depth charts um, statistical projections, returning projection, the game spread projections for all you betters out there. So make sure you guys are checking out the family of podcasts and the YouTube channel to make sure you're keeping up to date with everything that's going on throughout the off season. Well, we're in the off season for college, but on the NFL side, we're in the preseason and we all know that the preseason doesn't matter. It's you, you sit there, you watch two hours of football, it's garbage football and you're <laughs> waiting for like the two or three good plays from the first round talents that you draft in your dynasty team hoping to see some flashes from those guys i mean it it kind of sucks but preseason football is really for the hardos and the sickos out there that want to mm-hmm. see the depth and see how they play guys that we forgot about that got drafted eight years ago and like the sixth round somehow stick around our roster like those those are the guys that are looking at that type of stuff your buddies don't know like who the cb8 is or the udfa that just got signed to to the jets or whatever but but you want to brag to them. You need to get some of that that home field advantage with home field apparel. Go ahead and wear that retro style T-shirt while you dunk on your buddies saying, oh, you don't know Eli Ricks, UDFA out of whatever, whatever university. And then your friends will be like, no, I don't know. And then you just tell them all these. You didn't even know. <laughs> and then you tell them all these stupid stats and you smugly hit them with the you don't know you know what i'm talking about you feel real superior to them while you're rocking that comfy retro t-shirt and your boys look at your t-shirt and they're like oh man what is that the logo from 1975 this guy must really know ball like this guy knows ball you know you need a home field advantage for that and that you'll get at home field apparel okay campus to campus campus toucan is the code for 15 percent off your first purchase at home field apparel okay that's the word campus the number two in canton for 15 percent off your first purchase okay go ahead and dunk on your buddies in style and in comfort this preseason you don't know who eli ricks is Corey? i who did he play for what did he play for was he bama let me look that up real quick and let me dunk on you real quick and we'll say yeah alabama dude you didn't know yeah. that you said it. it's I bama said dude it. Come on. Didn't know it. sec dude udfa <laughs> i knew it i knew it <laughs> I'm not, I'm not even a defensive guy. Come on. Oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, dude, I, Justice is rolling right now, rolling around his grave. He just instantly died of a heart attack. We didn't know who Eli Ricks is. Um, let's, let's talk about Bruce Feldman's freak list. It just dropped recently. Um, I actually haven't looked at it. I know Corey has. Corey, want to talk about the freak list? Yeah, so, I mean, it's a pretty interesting list that we always look at. The, I mean, the numbers are sometimes hard to believe. They're very glowing about a lot of these prospects, but it's always an interesting look uh, or a list to look at. I mean, 
starting off at the at the top here, I want to highlight some names, at least just offensive names. I'm not going to go into defensive side, sorry, Justice. Um, number one, true freshman Nicholas Harbour at the top. Not a surprise, you know, anybody who knows this kid, 6'5", 240 pounds, um, ran a 10.200-meter dash. I mean, has, like, uh, has Olympic dreams. But I don't know if he'll be able uh, to reach him at that size. But. i got to pause you there. He ran a 10.2 at 200 and, like, 10 pounds 220 pounds okay, he put on weight let's just i just want to get the full perspective here no that's true he did put on weight um just going off of what exactly this list said i guess so that's yeah, yeah. that's what he says anyways um <laughs> number two marvin harrison jr don't have to go into that as well number 21 carson Steele, running back uh formerly of ball state now heading over to ucla the write-up was more of like a look at the power i guess because we've talked about the athleticism we don't feel like we see it there a lot of the time at least not suddenness at least not speed for the nfl but he does get a lot of respect for the power he has uh, benching 450 squatting 655 he has been clocked at 20.9 miles per hour according to this list which i mean if it's fudged a little bit we're probably looking at more like 20.5 or something like that but either way we know the long speed's not exactly there but we've got to give him a little bit of credibility for the uh, the power there are you in on carson Steele at all uh, for debbie no not at all you know i'm on the tj harden train of last year yeah i mean we've been hearing some pretty good stuff about harden as well so we're not even sure if Steele's going to be the guy there so that's something to watch going into it number 28 johnny wilson wide receiver from florida state i i've repeatedly said that he did test very well as an athlete um coming out he was like he jumped like 35 inches that's noted here as well 35 inches he had a pretty good shuttle time for a guy of his size that's not the problem with johnny wilson okay it's it's all the other things actually playing the wider your position he's a little bit of an athlete for his for his size so i'm not super surprised to see him on this list but um i still don't think he's gonna wow you when you watch him on the field or or blow or jump out of the gym or anything like that when he finally gets his chance um, 31, Nicholas Singleton over at Penn State. Don't need to talk about that too much. 33, Malik Neighbors, which I feel like had a very weird write-up. Like, they didn't really talk specific traits. Just said he was, like, clocking, like, nice times on these advanced systems and stuff like that. And I was just like, I don't, I don't see any, like, raw numbers here, really. I feel like they, it almost felt like a pump-up job. <laughs> Honestly, like, for Malik yeah, Neighbors a little bit. But, Bruce um, Feldman got his own NIL deal to pump up LSU players. Yeah, I swear to God. Yeah, I don't know. So, but um, I, I think he's a fine athlete. I just don't know if he's freak list worthy, which I thought was a little bit weird. 34, we got Braylon Allen. We all know about him. I think the most impressive thing about the things he lists here is probably the 1.49 10-yard split, which would be some nice burst for a big man like that. Um, so hopefully that actually follows through. Um, 39, interesting uh, um, guy here. And Chip Trainum, uh, running back over at Ohio State, formerly of Arizona State. Um, he's apparently running in the high four threes coming out of camp. I mean, we knew he was an athlete. This is a guy who, like, famously in, like, high school played, like, cornerback. Like, one game played running back, uh, was playing linebacker. Uh, corner was having trouble covering the, the, the wide receiver. So they put him at corner. And, he, the, he like, he, like, single-handedly, like, won them in the game. Like, very athletic guy. Very cool guy. I'm still taking him at the end of drafts, man. I really don't care. Like, round, like, 45, round 40, if he's still hanging around, I'm going to grab him just to see if anything happens there because yeah, I still think he's a pretty interesting guy. Um, 41, Branson Robinson over at Georgia. Um, not really a surprise there. Guy who power cleans, squats quite a bit, benches quite a bit. 44, another Georgia guy in Brock Bowers. We all know he's super athletic. But here's the king of the list right here. Number 53, USC wide receiver Brandon Rice, a guy that we talk about quite a bit over here. I don't know if I fully believe these numbers. Okay, I didn't know you, or, or at least I didn't know he was this, this level of an athlete. Um, apparently clocked at over 23 miles per hour. 
38 vert, a 1.43 10 yard split. So a guy who even has a little bit of short area quickness. Uh, these would be exciting numbers if he posted these. Uh, and I know Felix uh, would kill me for calling him a sleeper, but he, if he tests like that, he's definitely a sleeper going thanks. I don't know. Maybe he's like the next, like, maybe he's Price the next. Wheaton, bro. Yeah, you, next... you think he's right? No, he's got better hands than Bryce Ford. Uh, no, I just, I think, you know, I just, you know, I, I'm going to go on a rant a little bit later. I just think athleticism is important, but I think the measured athleticism is almost overrated because I don't, yeah. I don't I need context. Dude. Like Bruce Feldman's out here saying 23 miles an hour. Was he, was he naked? Um, was he wearing a windsuit? Like, was it wind assisted? Do you yeah. have a football in his hands? Like, I need to know these things. Cause like every time I reference like miles per hour, it's, it's from a recruiting team. And I know they measure that stuff based on what they see actually on the football field, not like any of this other stuff behind the scenes. So I, I always thought he was fast. He made it to my like misfits list last year, Jerry Rice, because he returned like two kicks for a touchdown, which is impressive as like a, I think it was a freshman. And then like he's six foot three, 200. And I'm like, this guy actually clearly does have some straight line speed. I don't know about the rest of the stuff, but straight line speed. And then I'm like, he's, and he's big. So counts for something like that's it. Yeah, no, I, and he's had a pretty good spring. I mean, the, this article actually notes that they asked Caleb Williams who they thought the freakiest guys on the team were. He talked about three guys. Um, I think it was Deuce Robinson, Zachariah Branch, and Brandon Rice was the third guy he mentioned, which was like, uh, I thought it was pretty crazy. But the, the news coming out of camp has been that they've been talking about he's going to be a big part of this offense. I don't know how big yet, but I still think he's a kind of a sneaky guy. Um, heading more down towards down the list, 57, your favorite wide receiver, Washington wide receiver, Romo Dunze. He has, he has credited with a 4.3440 and a 37 vert. So that's stuff that guy keeps posting on all our messages. is apparently true. According to Bruce, <laughs> according to yeah. Bruce Feldman. So, yeah, uh, yeah, so Twitter. Uh, rifling through these last four guys here, 64 squirrel white, uh, wide receiver over at Tennessee. That's an obvious one. He's just speedy, fast guy. Uh, very fast. Um, 79 J Michael Sturdivant, uh, clocked at 23 miles per hour. We know he's a big, uh, big guy with speed. 63205 has been clocked at 23 runs a faster hundred meter dash than Xavier worthy even runs, but it's, you know, we want to see some refinement a little bit from him. 81 Malachi Corley. This guy just keeps getting buzz around draft nicks around other guys ESPN popped him out um he is apparently running a 4.43 and has been clocked at again over 23 miles per hour not sure if i believe that but another number that was really unique for a wide receiver at least is 40 missed tackles forced last year which is a pretty high number for a wide receiver are you moving him at all in your debbie rankings i've been like kind of slowly inching him up a little bit i think he's somewhere like in my top of my 40s right now maybe i i don't know i every time i look at him and but the buzz is just just keeps coming out if they're going to like him this much and maybe I should be liking him that much. Cause we kind of think he's a good receiver, right? I have been moving him up. Uh, I know, I know Austin's talked to me about him. I've looked at his tape too. And I, I don't think he can develop. I'm different than Austin on this opinion, by the way. I just, I think he's yeah. a really good yak threat. Like one of the better yak threats, gadgety guys. Um, and I definitely see some level of lessons. I just don't think he developed to a route runner. So I'm, I'm afraid that maybe he's like, um, like a Kendrick Bourne out there. Not, not mm. like, like Curtis Samuel and Debo, I think are like the two faces of like the gadget skill set players. And I don't think he's at that level. Austin does think he's at the Curtis Samuel level. So I'm just going to say that for Austin right now, but um, I don't think he's at that level. So I, I am growing. It's growing on me. I did just write an article of uh, 2024 wide receiver watch list. I think it dropped. It drops this week. It's not, it's completed. I, I told Dwight to please enjoy his weekend before he reads 6,000 words that I wrote with 39 total wide receivers in it. Um, but uh, Malachi Coleman, I did have projected as a very late day two, but most likely a day three uh, wide receiver. 
Yeah, so I, uh, he's definitely been moving up a little bit for me every time I take a look at it. 40, 45 for me right now. I think he's a little bit higher for me. I pull it up, but I'm too afraid to ruin our connection here. So, okay. <laughs> so I know he's I know he's 40 or high 30s, like he's somewhere around there that I've been playing around with. Um, and then you know, the last guy on the list that I just wanted to point out was the Corian Clark, another G5 guy getting some love here. Um, credit him with 6'2", 214 pounds, 4.4940, and 22.2 miles per hour. So another one of these kind of long athletic freaks that um, uh, playing in the G5 maybe need a, need a little bit more attention. But that kind of wraps up the uh, the freak list for this year. And what's what's to know about the Corian Clark is he's coming back from a major injury. So getting those numbers coming off of what was an ACL, right? Kind of a late ACL? Yeah, I think these were actually numbers like uh, previous to this. He notes in the article oh, that he does have an right. ACL. So, yeah, he's not running full speed or anything like that yet. So, okay. again, pre-ACL, another thing to watch for sure. I was kind of excited about him being back then, so never mind. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's – Um, I, I also – I just want to go back one quick thing. Uh, Corey, for the news, he he left out a major injury. Kendon Brown's hurt again. Uh, he has an injury bug. I just want everyone to know for all the Kendon Brown truthers <laughs> that he might not be ready for week one. Very unfortunate. I don't even. I don't even know if the other guys are covering that one. That's fresh. That's big hitting news here. I would be upset. I'm so far behind on the two days. I need. I'm like you know. I'm sitting down and listening to them all like in bulk. Yeah. All right. Let's let's get into these. Let's get into the scouting stuff. Let's get into uh, the roles and traits that we look for here. We're gonna start off with the quarterback position. Um, I have three roles written down here. So three kind of like sub positions within quarterbacks. So I'll start off with pocket passers. Um, I think this one's kind of, I wouldn't say it's like a fading breed, but it definitely was dominant the last like 20 years kind of branching out. But anyway, uh, pocket passes to me, like they need to be top tier processors. These guys don't have mobility. So they kind of rely on a really strong offensive line. But as far as like stuff I look for, I look for like how fast can they process? Do they get off their first read fast? Can they get off to their second read? Uh, can they manipulate defenses with their eyes? Uh, I don't know. Like the best example of that type of stuff is, Mahomes, who isn't a pocket passer, but Mahomes is very good at the whole no look path. Like he's definitely like someone that middle defense with his eyes. I just overall think these type of players need to be high IQ type of players, and they also have like the longest career in the NFL. Like their bodies are built to last; they're not out there throwing their body line, getting hit by these linebackers as they run run with the football. So, uh, and they also, when people call a quarterback a system QB, they tend to be pocket passers as well. So, like I'm thinking about like Jared Goff. Jared Goff, I think, is a Perfect example of a system QB. Is he clutch? Absolutely not. But can he run the Lions system and like get him like 30 points a game? Yeah, I think he can. I, it really depends on the defense holding the other team from scoring. But uh, I think like Jared Goff is a example of a pocket passer today. TB12, obviously, is another famous one. Kirk Cousins is fantastic. Um, and then you have like some lower end guys like Mac Jones. I still believe in as a Patriots fan, but you know, he's in that category <laughs> of pocket passer and he's he's a middling talent. So uh Give me your thoughts on pocket passers, Corey. Yeah, and these are these are the guys that I think that I am a little bit more critical of, like their pure passing ability. And like we really don't see um, a lot of guys without a little bit of mobility being top ten options in fantasy anymore. You know, like the TB12s, Kirk Cousins. These guys are hung around because, uh, like, Kirk Cousins is really like what the last guy to really hang around as a top ten, top twelve QB one for like the last oh, few Jared, years. Jared Goff got in there last year for some respect. Yeah, last year, but I mean like perennial. Like you know what I mean? Like a guy yeah, who's yeah. like stayed at the top or whatever. You know, a lot of these guys, these guys are kind of you know falling out a little bit like that. But, you know, if if I am looking at a pocket passer, if I want to, I'm looking at one, um, I'm a little more critical of the passing. You know, I, I want to see, you know, timing and I want to see anticipation 
anticipation. You know, like I want to see them leading wide receivers. I don't want to see them putting it on them and and uh, and waiting for them to be open. Like Bo Nix is a, is an example of this. Like a guy who always wants to see it open before he throws it, and he's not he's not giving his receivers many good chances for yak ability. Or Bryce Young last year, who was like awesome at this and yeah. placing it in the perfect position for guys to take advantage of it. You know, or being able to like. Uh, like hit a three-step drop, hit a receiver in time, like almost rhythmic fashion, timing in, into a system, not holding on to the ball forever. Quick decisions, because if you're not a mobile guy, you have to be able to get rid of the ball quickly to deal with pressure. You know, if you're a mobile guy, you got a good arm. Sometimes you can get away with, you know, seeing something late, getting out of the pocket if pressure's in your face, seeing something develop downfield. But as a pure pocket pass- passer, you better have pocket presence you better be able to climb the pocket you got to make the job easier on your offensive line as well not retreating backwards you know climbing up making quick decisions so a lot of those things i kind of want to see from a from a pure pocket passer but i think you have to be really special to be like a pure pocket passer and be valued in in fantasy right now i mean we've gone through we just went through some of the list the guys at the top of the list are not pure pocket passers anymore you know you need high touchdown rates to make up for the lack of rushing yards you're getting with a lot of these other guys so this kind of this is kind of an archetype that's a little bit fading in in fantasy right now for me it relies a lot on a strong supporting class too you know like you need to have a wide receiver core you need to have a strong offensive line it's just like a complete team can get away with it but if a team is struggling like I mean, the bottom level teams that get the early draft capital, they probably don't have a strong offensive line. They probably don't have a strong RIC record and so on and so forth. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. And I think you nailed it with the arm talent too. I left that out, but like the arm, everything from the waist up, like eye to like that, the brain, the eyes, even the arm, like they need to be elite, need to be top tier. Yeah. Um, yeah. The best example I can think of in college right now is I know we're projecting, but I, I probably have Carson Beck, the highest of like pocket passers for me rated right now. What would you consider Quinn Ewers, though? I think he's got some mobility to his legs. I think it would be inappropriate to call him a pocket passer. Yeah, maybe. I I've seen him. I've seen him. Well, I can't say last year, but I remember like scouting him. I remember being pretty good out of structure. I thought he could make runs, like make some stuff on the run. Yeah. If I was looking at the top of the list, like some of the guys I considered was Ewers. I considered Dante Moore because I don't. Yes. So he he yes. can get out of the pocket a little bit, but I think I think he's kind of one. And Devin Brown was the other one that I maybe considered. Okay. Um, as a potential pocket guy, but he did move around a little bit. But at least at the top of the list, those are, those are some of the guys that I considered, anyways. But yeah, definitely a position that, or uh, at least an archetype of quarterback that's at least fading a little bit uh, in the fantasy world. Yeah. Uh, the next role here is I wrote down as scramblers. Uh, we talked about the lack of mobility. These guys do have some mobility. Uh, they know how to prolong play with their with their legs. Um, they don't always have to be the the smartest player. So I was looking to prolong a play to let the receivers get open. That's kind of what they do. Uh, arm strength, I think, is important here. Like these got to be able to throw the ball on the run. They got to be able to put some zip on it too, not float it. There's a lot of there's a lot of scramblers in college that just lack the velocity. They like to float the yeah. ball a lot. I, I think about Jane Delore a lot. Like that guy likes to float the ball. Like great mobility. Not a true dual threat. Um, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But like a, a guy that can prolong the play long enough for someone to get open. And I also tend to think that these guys lack instincts. You talked about that with the pocket passer. They, they can make those anticipatory throws. I just don't think a lot of the scramblers at the college level know how to do that. And that's a pretty big indicator for me for guys that have NFL potential. If they are scramblers but can also anticipate when a receiver is about to get open, they can pre-fire that, th- that throw. Yeah, like to me, like the scramblers, they're kind of like the tr- the most trendiest thing right now is, you know, these are the guys that can get away almost with 
um, being a little bit late on a read sometimes, you know, like you said, letting something develop downfield because they can get outside the pocket, make a defender miss, you know, extend the play a little bit, maybe even pick up a few easy yards there themselves. But I agree, like the arm strength is important here because if you're going to be seeing a read a little bit late, like because you're too busy scrambling in the backfield or, or, and you want to like hit somebody in time, you better have like the arm strength to hit that guy a few more yards down the field or be able to, to rifle it quick enough before that defender is already closing in. Cause he already sees the play happening and you're seeing it late. You better have that arm strength to, to rifle it. And this was a big thing that a lot of people talked about with Will Levis was that he had the arm strength to even make up for some of his mistakes or whatever. But I mean, he's not getting great reviews right now, but that's kind of why the NFL loved him, you know, and we saw some of the downside with this play style uh, a little bit last year, um, looking at Russell Wilson uh, playing in Nathaniel Hackett's system, which was the more rhythmic timing system that we were talking about with the pocket passers. That's just not who he is. He wants to get outside the pocket. He wants to see it open up a little bit more. He wants to get outside the pocket, let the play develop. He doesn't excel as a three-step drop back, hit your guy type of quarterback. Um, but like you said, when you get somebody with that mobility and the incredible timing, the timing and the arm talent. That's when you're talking about the Mahomes. That's when you're talking about the Josh Allens, who, who I think out of the, all these categories, these guys probably fall in it, in this category, the closest out of, out of the rest, uh, out of the rest of the ones we're going to talk about. I mean, being able to throw from the multiple arm angles on the move, you know, and this is guys that we love in, in Debbie as well. The top two guys in our list, Caleb Williams, Drake may both guys who can extend the play. Even drew Aller, I think is going to have a little bit of that. So uh, this is, this is the archetype that I think is the future of the NFL. Yeah. You left out Kenny, Kenny Pickett when you were talking about Mahomes and Josh. Okay. Allen, sorry. Them. Yeah, you're right. I think he deserves to be in there as well. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, uh, but yeah, yeah. So I think that kind of, I think that wraps it up. We're going, we're done with scrambles there. What do you, what do you think, Drew, where do you think Joe Burrow falls in between these two? I think he, I think he's a scrambler. I think he has mobility. I don't think he's, I think he's close. I think he's close. Like we were talking about Aaron Rodgers pre-show, like in before I would have called him a scrambler too. Like he's not someone like scramblers aren't looking to run. They are looking to extend the play and then continuing to let the play develop and looking for their second, third read or, or whatever. I think that's kind of something that, that Joe Burrow can do as well. He ran a little bit of LSU as well, but yeah, I was, I was yeah. just kind of curious where you put him. And then some guys in college that I think are scramblers, but I have a, I shouldn't say struggle evaluating, but I'm much lower than the consensus on. Cause I just don't think they have the arm talent. It's like Bo Nix. Uh, the, um, Oh man, it's escaping me. Jordan Travis quarterback from FSU. Like, I just don't think he's got, the zip and he definitely waits way too long to actually see a guy open rather than throw the anticipatory yeah. throw. Um, and then uh, Jackson Arnold, who I do have as quarterback 14. Like, I mean, obviously he's haven't had a rep yet in college, but like, that's what I'm going to be looking for at Jackson Arnold. I mean, he's either going to drop or, or raise because of that reason, but like, those are just guys that I, I have trouble believing in because I just need to see the the anticipatory and the, and the velocity. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of pretty excited for, um, I'm not. I'm not excited. I'm just eager to see what he's going to do in the second in the second yeah. in his system with Jackson Dart. I really. I think there's a lot of traits there. I mean, we'll go into personal process a little bit more, but I really like a lot of like the background analytics on him and I like the size and the mobility. I think he. I think he can do really well. But I'm surprised to see, hear you have him at 14. I only have him at 16, but it makes me want to raise him. But you you've reshuffled everything. I haven't reshuffled in a while. But I, like I still have. I have Aiden Childs in front of him, which I don't know if I would. If I'm oh, I got him at 15, right behind him. But right like, I'm, I'm yeah. cool with that too. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I have three freshmen in a row. I have. Yeah. So it's a fine, you don't have to move them. No, uh, that's... <laughs> let's get on to the next category here, which I think is often confused with scramblers and that's going to be your true dual threat QBs. Uh, and, and the more it's the running ability here. Uh, it's not just, 
it's not just extending a play is that these guys can break off large chunk yardage with their running style. And we've seen different running styles be successful lately in the NFL talking about like Jalen Hurts runs more like a power running back. And he's kind of shaped like that too. And that works for him. Yeah. But you got like Kyler Lamar who are a little bit more shifty. And then uh, we have Justin Fields who never ran and like never ran in college. So that's kind of a surprise to us. And you have also a rich as well. That's coming up there. So we'll see how he is as a runner. Um, but with dual threat QBs, I feel like this is a lot of like they typically struggle with accuracy. That's always a story around Lamar. Even Jalen Hurts for a couple of years there, he's definitely improved. Uh, I was definitely wrong on that. I didn't think he'd develop into that accurate QB. But Lamar and like they just tend to struggle with accuracy. They they pair best with like big body targets. Uh, you see Lamar, yeah. his best friend is 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 Mark Andrews, and we saw the addition of AJ Brown to the Eagles really elevate uh, Jalen Hurts' ability. Uh, it just they just need these larger targets to help offset some of the accuracy issues that they have. Yeah. Like when I'm, when I'm thinking about like some of these dual hurt quarters, I think of them like vicinity passers, like they're not exact like ball placement, the finer points of ball placement, like they'll get it to their target, but it might not be a nice back shoulder throw. It might not be like a nice touch throw over defender. You might not put it right in the bread basket. Like they'll put it in the vicinity. But they're, you know what I mean, into their catch radius. But yeah, they do struggle a lot with it. Even even the best ones do. I mean, Lamar Tullo talking about it. And I think a big thing with these guys too is, uh, yeah, they run a the ton of RPO. But I feel like once that first read is gone, they want to. They're quick to tuck it and run away. You know, they're not a yeah. they're not the type of guys who want to work through the progression, find their next guy or whatever. They know they have that ability, that ability they've been relying on since high school, ability that made them stars in college. You know, it even took a while for them to figure it out with Lamar. I don't even know if we've still figured it out with Lamar. I mean, we're gonna see now with Todd Monken coming in if they can kind of change it. But you know, even looking at the Debbie landscape, I mean, I think I think it, Aiden Childs has a potential to be a guy like this. I think KJ Jefferson kind of falls into this mold of an athletic guy with, with a little bit of passing issues as well. That kind of falls into like the bigger bodied power rusher. Jalen Daniels out of Kansas, I think is also going to be a guy who has a little bit of that mobility to him. Um, But yeah, these guys are always going to be, you know, that massive, that massive threat for those big play runs or whatever. And and you're going to live and die with that big threat uh, on the ground because that's the upside that they're going to carry. But as passers, like you're going to have to design the offense around them kind of the same way the Ravens have with, with Lamar and even Jalen hurts early in his career and kind of what they're going to have to do for Anthony Richardson early in his career too. Yeah. I feel really good about, well, this is not an NFL show, but I feel really good about Anthony Richardson because they bring in the Eagles offensive coordinator. He comes over, you know, they yeah. pick up a Rich. I just think I knew this dude's going to hit gold twice. And I just kind of love that. Um, as far as like this year's freshman class, I actually think Lenora Sellers is the best dual threat quarterback, the one true one. I thought Childs is more of a, a scrambler. Obviously, we'll get those answers once we see him start playing football. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I have Lenora Sellers like currently penciled in as the number one dual threat in this class. That's why he's quarterback seven for me because I, I have no – I Austin talked about it today on Campus Life, and I kind of agree with Austin here that there's no doubt that this guy is going to be productive in college. It just depends on – uh, what level of trades we see out of him. You know, because we, we all knew Averitt going into the season was super athletic. We just didn't know how athletic he really was until like the end of the year. And another NFL guy that we didn't really talk about, uh, Trey Lance, who is was kind of a dual threat, but like obviously he got major injuries to his ankle. <laughs> and so clearly yeah. he's not going to succeed because that was kind of his card. And now it's do you think like, do you think the athleticism of Trey Lance was maybe oversold? Like, like once he got into camp, Shanahan thought he was getting something that was like more of an, that athletic dual threat, and maybe he just wasn't that guy. 
Yeah, I did because I this was when I just started scouting too. It really annoyed me how high the community was on Trey Lance. I thought it was a lot of stat reading, but when I watched him play, I thought like it was a lot of design runs up the middle. It wasn't like it wasn't uh, instinctual running or like impromptu running. Like it was like it was like these South Dakota State, who I think is a really good football school for their like their level of play, would somehow design plays to draw like these linebackers out of spying Trey Lance, and then he would go uncontested running like eight ten yards out the middle of the field. And so yeah. I, I really thought his dual threat ability was one exaggerated, and then two you're betting on um, the arm talent gain developed, and I'm not always a fan of that route. But like you know. Yeah, and then when you those lower levels of competition too can make guys look like much better athletes than they actually are. Yeah, (laughs) so I mean that that's the harder thing when you're watching those types of things. So yeah, I mean he's he's definitely the downside here when you're talking about putting all your chips in on like a on on some traits you think are going to work out here. Yeah, so athleticism obviously plays a role in two of the three here, but as far as like pocket passers go, like those are the guys like to see that. I like to see all these guys being six foot three plus, with the exception of dual threat. Dual threats can get away with being smaller. Hertz is like six foot two. I think Lamar's also six foot two. Kyler is like yeah, Caleb six, Williams is like six one as well. Like yeah, a lot of these guys. Yeah, kind of... I think the dual threats can get away with being smaller, and they don't have to really see all over the offensive line because they're going to run anyway. They're going to run out of the pocket whenever they can. Like they just love doing it so much, um, along with the scramblers too as well. But with pocket passers that sit behind those big beefy offensive linemen, like they need to be taller to be able to see the whole field. And yeah. um, you see, like Jerry Rice talk about it, or not? Yeah, Jerry Rice talk about it with his quarterback. Who? No, his quarterback talked about it with Jerry Rice, where he was just like, "Dude, I just knew he was in the vicinity, and I just threw it to him all the time." Like it was just. I so I do think size comes into play for pocket passers. I like to see him be six foot three plus, and then like for scramblers and dual threats, I'm a little bit more okay with him being six foot two and under. So. Yeah, I think I'm. Like even for all three of these, I think I'd set my six two, and I want to see like two hundred and ten pounds. I think from either of them, that would be like my ideal range. I think you know I'll I'll tend to lean a little bit lower for the dual threat guys. I want to see a little bit bigger from my from my stockier guys that stay in the pocket, or maybe some of the scrambler. And like I don't need a mobile guy. Like I don't need a Justin Fields or a Lamar type runner to be honest with you. I just want somebody who has like some Joe Burrow to him, some like Josh Allen move around a little bit, guy who can extend the play just like a little bit. That's like. That's that that that's what I like to see. I think if I go back into like some of the finer points that I I like to look through, you know, I like I have I'm a sucker for like higher aid like higher a dots and like big time throw rates. Guys who are willing to kind of like push the ball down the field and and like make plays in in some of those clutch moments. That's one of the reasons I like Jackson Dart. This is kind of one of the things I wanted to get to with him is because he ranks so highly in a lot of these things. Like he led the SEC in like big time throw percentage. He like was near the top, maybe even first in ADOT as well. It was like double digit ADOT. Like this guy is not afraid to be aggressive and push it down the field. He's not playing scared. And that's one of the things that I really like to see. Um, so, you know, pretty, these are pretty generic statements on, on, on quarterback. Yeah. But I just, I, I think quarterback, even with NFL, like you just want to bet on the traits. I don't like that idea. Like, I know I, I like hounded Will Levis for his poor processing ability. I just think there has to be a certain, I don't know, threshold for like processing power. Like you need to be able to get off that first read. And I don't know, dude, I, I, I understand the argument of like, you can't teach arm talent. Like you definitely can. Like there's a certain mm-hmm. age you hate where like, that's it. You got it. Like that's you're you're maxed out. You're probably going to go backwards over the next couple of years. But like, I still need a certain level of being of like processing ability. So I, I like to see both. Um, but I know that argument is kind of still talked about. And obviously I, I can't argue against it, but I, I definitely think like, like there's not a lot of opportunity for these guys to shine. Like what like like Malik Willis was counted as like a first round talent, drops to the third, like big surprise. But like 
I, I don't know. Like, he, they gave up on him pretty fucking quick, you know, and now Will Levis is over there. Like, are they going to give up on him real quick too? He's only a second round pick. So I, I do think traits matter to a degree, but I think processing and like what they can do as like, as far as like IQ players go, I think matters as well. I just think when you're looking past the elite tier though, and I'm, this is what I'm saying when you bet on traits is once okay. you get past the, the elite tier, like the top guys, like, I don't know. You're going to make your money with guys who live as backups in the NFL. Do the Matt Jones truly make the difference for you in fantasy? If he gets receivers, I'm telling you, he'll be all right. Dude. I really like, <laughs> no, I don't, just, I get so heated over the Mac Jones. Hey, we had a defensive coordinator last year calling plays. It was a failed head coach. Like this math, it's pretty easy to add up together. It wasn't uh, going to be a good season. Either way, it just I, seems like people are constantly trying to replace him. They're constantly talking about Zappy. Now they're talking about Malik Cunningham. Like just because it's flashy. Twitter hype, bro. Like I know, but I know he'll be fine or whatever. I just don't think that, you know, that's what I want the NFL level. I'm willing to like, take my gamble on like traits on a guy like, you know, like KJ Jefferson over a guy like Trey. Williams. I don't know. Yeah. Or like, uh, you know, I like, I'll take my shot on a guy like that over like, um, like Jordan Travis or a guy like, you know, guy you talk about Dylan Gabriel. Like I'm not going to take shots on those guys. I just don't think like, even if they can deliver the ball well, I just, the traits are lacking. I'd rather take a shot on Joe Milton than I would on those guys. Okay, first off, Dylan Gabriel was 2021. All right. I, I've dropped that. That's my bad. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it was so it was so last year, Corey. It was so last year. All right, let's move on to running backs. All right. Uh running backs. I wrote down three here. Um, and I kind of like I kind of slapped a whole bunch of them into one category because they're like they're all just too similar to really talk about. But yeah, let's get into um power backs. It's kind of our favorite here. These guys are beefier. This is like where everyone talks about you gotta be 210 plus, you know. I think 205 plus is fine depending on the player, but you know, 205 plus, uh, they specialize in short down yardage. They are your early down backs, they tend to lead a committee role. Um, but they're also pass blockers too. So these guys are the bigger of the running backs here, and then obviously. Like again, these are just the as far as power backs goes. This is just just early down bangers for the most part. You know, I'm trying to think of like some. I know like last year I thought Dwayne McBride was a really good power back. He went in the fifth round. Um, but these are I'm trying to think of it. Damian Harris. You know, they're not really too yeah, special, like- but at least they lead a committee. They offer you some RB two upside, like back end RB two upside. Yeah, I mean, I I think that like the old school power back is kind of a dying breed at least in fantasy terms it's hard to like rely on them we could be you're hoping for like a plunge and a touchdown for me like if i'm going to classify a guy as a power back like i'm not looking at a 205 guy like i think power back you gotta be 215 man like if i'm gonna call you a power back like it's gotta be 215 up like um you know and i think if you're looking at like the nfl right now i think like the kings of like a a power back if you're gonna just say top tier power backs right now for me i wrote down derrick henry or nick chubb like yeah, who I think is, is a power back, Absolutely. who who is who moves a little bit more, but he still kind of falls into that realm of like a power back. You know, um, Henry can get away with being a little bit stiffer. Um, Nick Chubb's a little bit more can string some moves together, has some bursts or whatever. But you know, like you said, there's there's a larger portion of more so your uh, your Gus Edwards, your AJ Dillons, you know, who become more like role players like due to their power, like in a committee or something yeah. like that in the Debbie world. If you want to like compare or whatever, this is probably like Braylon Allen. This is probably Branson Robinson. Uh, and then if you go down the list, it probably includes guys like Damian Martinez, uh, Katron Allen over at Penn State as well. Those guys probably fall into this bucket as well. All Katron Allen's all the way up to like 220 pounds as well. So these aren't guys who are going to dance around a ton. Um, they're not going to like a reverse field. Um, 
hopefully not stop their feet one, from doing much cut, very much one cut yeah max. yeah like don't yeah. don't stop those feet the, the ones who do tend to struggle you know there's an old saying slow feet don't eat and, and dead feet don't eat too so if you're if you're a big guy you better keep those feet chugging so but yeah it does feel like the power back is a dying breed but they're very enticing when you watch them i mean watching like damien martinez on saturdays i'm like in love with them so yeah they got like jamal williams those vultures too those are guys that be vulturing yeah yeah went all mad too um uh, you listed off really good ones there for college. You left off CJ Donaldson, but that's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I Can't mean, forget. I'm not even sure. What, I'm not even sure what Donaldson is yet. <laughs> yeah, there, there's sometimes those bigger guys that play like that don't necessarily play with power backs. Like I love Rocket Sanders, but I don't necessarily. You don't see him like mowing guys over all the time. Like CJ Donaldson was kind of a guy like that. Like guys are more bouncing off of him. Like again, a tight end convert. They're still kind of learning how to lower their pad a little bit. Like play with that that strength a little bit more at the point of attack. Like I still don't know if CJ Donaldson like falls into there for me. All right. Uh, the next one I kind of lumped in a bunch of like ones together and Corey didn't write in red ink on my sheet. So I assume he agrees as well. Um, <laughs> so I put like <laughs> pass catching scat back satellite satellite back. Like they're kind of all in the same category for me. They're, they're smaller. I think they can get up to two Oh five. They're obviously pass getting specialists where they offer a little bit more juice and looseness in the open field. Um, obviously prefer speed to power. So these guys aren't like tackle breakers. Some of them are a little bit slippery, uh, but for the most part, they're really all about finding the open lane and creating a bad angle and don't really expect them to survive too much contact. Um, a little shiftier. Uh, obviously you don't want to use them up the middle. So. Yeah. Not usually frames that don't can't exactly take the same kind of beating or bounce off that contact in the middle as well, guys, you want to try to get to on to like the outside, you know, so be like your James Cooks, your Jarek McKinnon's, your uh, Devin your Devin Chains, maybe your Chase Edmonds, you know, guys like that who are like kind of like your change of pace, but excel in maybe that kind of role, kind of kind of do get some longevity um, in the NFL as well. But they're they're very inconsistent fantasy options, you know. And if, even for looking at Devi right now, this is a guy like to me like is Bucky Irving over at um, over at Oregon, Jaden Odd over at Cal. I think he kind of falls in this bucket as well. And I think me and you are kind of on the same page as this one, but Will Shapley is kind of on this spectrum as well. So that's kind of why we're we're worried about them a a little bit. Like they're complimentary players um, who can add a spark. Um, They got some big play potential, but they struggle as every down runners. Uh, Diamond Edwards is on that line too. We got to see. He is. He's he's on that line. We got to see. I do see a little bit more rushing ability from him. I think, but again, that Michigan O line is very good. Sometimes they definitely. um, They won the Joe Moore Award two years (laughs) in a row. They're about to win it for a third. Their entire offensive line is on the uh, Senior Bowl watch list. The entire line, which means that they already have fifth round grades going into the season. Yeah, so, so it's hard. It's, it, so that's definitely hard. I, I also think that these guys, too, like these smaller guys, they can be game script dependent. When you're down, you might see a little bit more of them, um, you know, playing in that third down, playing in the hurry up role, playing in the catch up mode. And then if you're up, you might not see them very much at all. So it's like they become like very inconsistent fantasy options and not guys that I'm really willing to invest into. I'm looking at my Debbie top 25 running backs. I got like Shipley at 24. Like he's in that category. I got. Donovan, I think at oh, I got Donovan at twenty three. I mean, it's probably my top two right there as far as like guys I view as like pass catching specialists. I think Jamarion Miller, we gotta see more out of him, but he might fall into that category. And that's yeah, a he might concern. be there, yeah. Um, but at my top twenty five, I think that's it. It's those three. Yeah, it's that's like me too. Like I can't even find. Yeah. Well, no, I definitely have Donovan Edwards higher than you do at twenty three. I have him at fourteen, so I'm still okay. like generally pretty high yeah. on him. But yeah, I know you're a little bit uh, weaker on because you don't. 
you know, like some of the play strength issues and some of the uh, obviously you're you just hate, hate everybody who plays behind that Michigan O line too. They're still overrated. Someone's got to put them in. Yeah, the all right. <laughs> I'm doing it for the team. <laughs> I got Odd at 27 too, so he's over there. And then Ruben Owens, yeah. who's I don't know. I have to see it. I have to see it. Yeah. Um, I'm actually gonna lower Ruben Owens right now, live on air. He's 29. All right, cool. So. <laughs> um. Yeah. All right. Well, that's 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 the scat back, satellite back, uh, pass getting back for me. Corey, do you have any issue with me lumping all those guys together? Like, you okay with that? No, I think that's fine. You know, change of pace back would work too. But sometimes, you know, yeah. even big guys can be change of pace backs too. I mean, if you got like a smaller guy, like, and then you bring in a change of pace heavier guy or whatever, you know. And then I think like your third one you wrote here, even lumping them both, the workhorses when you get both of them, right? You have yeah. the size, yeah. you have the power, plus you have pass catching ability the third down ability the ability to block like this is your saquon barclays this is your the the, the guys who've been the kings of fantasy the the christian mccaffrey's who have the major passing upside the thousand rushing thousand uh receiving and receptions those are the guys that are going to be your kingpins in fantasy you know and the, like I, those are always who we're trying to find but it's getting hard now in the nfl when everybody's going into these role designated like committees now, 55 60 percent like, is like the new workhorse it just it just is now like that's just what it is yeah it's hard you know it's it, it, it's definitely difficult to to buy into them but that's why the elite ones i think are so are valued so highly the ones that we really think can be those workhorses at the next level also i kind of put i put i, I like low-key put cmc and eckler in like the scat back category i don't i don't know like they're they're not like they run up the middle, but they certainly aren't like power guys. It's just like they just finesse so well. I'm ready to finally like I'd probably admit that CMC is not a scat back. I think he's I think he's a really good runner. I mean, I okay. I really do. I, mean, I think he I, I definitely think that he's kind of like the unicorn of the situation though, because you I wouldn't expect it by his profile and what he looks like and stuff like that. But I'm I'm ready to sell in that he's he's definitely workhorse. Okay, I'm not gonna debate that at all <laughs> so uh let's get on to wide receivers here there's a lot of subcategories here in my opinion so um i'm gonna start off with field stretchers uh field stretchers are like smaller guys they tend to be very fast like you're looking for those guys like the sub four four speed um they're they they like draw double coverage a lot i shouldn't say like double coverage but like their job is to beat the DB and force the safety to follow them. And this will draw off coverage from the other guys operating in the shallower areas where these guys run deep all the time. Now, if the safety yeah. doesn't follow and he beats the DB, like the initial cornerback, then like that's a long touchdown and, and like congratulations, you know? Um, so I usually don't like these guys are either, these guys are either relevant or they're not like there's no in between, you know, like this is like, like the high end stuff is like Will Fuller. You know, I, I even consider like, I don't know, like Tyler Lockett and Brandon Cooks probably in that category as well. Um, no, I don't think so. Uh, okay, they look more conditioning. So, yeah. Okay, maybe like, a Will, more Will, maybe just Will Fuller. They're not trying to reach there. Like, but Will Fuller really was a field stretcher and like probably the best at it. But um, yeah, I think this is the worst fantasy like role to have for fantasy football, but very necessary in uh, in today's NFL. Yes, is it, I think you just put it perfectly there. This is a, a role that we're just not excited about for fantasy. They're, they're Oh, they're used to open up uh, defenses. They're a low volume role. 
Um, you know, and, and typically these guys are even like great straight line speed guys, but like lack the wiggle in space, you know, and, and like if we're looking at the NFL now, this is this is guys like Andy Isabella, Anthony Schwartz, Danny Gray that came over from SMU as well. Like they're, yeah. they're kind of like that kind of archetype. Jalen Hyatt is a guy that we're kind of worried is this kind of two, guy. Two, as well. two Atwell is supposed to be one of those. Yeah, two, think... two Atwell kind of falls into that as well. A Squirrel White, yeah. if we're looking at the Debbie side of things, that he's, he's potentially a type like this that might just be a smaller field stretcher I think, type. I think Marvin Mims fits this bill too. He's taking over KJ yeah. Hamler, who was also a field stretcher and doing anything for our fantasy. Yeah. So you mean, I mean, I will say that typically these guys, cause they're usually, they're such a singular role and they're such a vertical role that like, sometimes they have good, like, like it's a solid release packages. That's one thing I can say, but like their hands are hit or miss. The volume is not there. It's just a role that I avoid in, in fantasy when I'm, when I, when I think somebody is this role. Or as the CFF team says, they're best in best ball. Yeah, they're, yeah. <laughs> best and best they, they're not even, I mean, even the guys I listed there, they're not even doing anything. They'll get, they'll get one game. They always get like one and then they keep the dream alive. Yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, that's, that's Phil Church. These guys do tend to be smaller. Like, I think these are like, you're like pretty consistently the smaller guys. Cause they're like harder to grab a little bit more slippery. Um. Yeah. I know like camp reports are going Google over like these smaller guys. that want to be like the page of camp reports for DeMario Douglas. Like everyone's losing it. I think he's like, they think he's awesome. I'm like watching his one v ones. I'm like, I mean, that's expected. They're supposed to be a little bit faster. They're you know about like five inches shorter, so a little bit lower to the ground, faster feet. Like they're supposed to be, yeah, doing just that, releasing off the line and winning. Um. Anyway, so let's go into the exact opposite, the polar opposite. Let's go into the alphas. Uh, the alphas are like to me for size. Like these guys are like six foot three plus, two hundred pounds plus. They operate out of the X. They're like the old school bully type receivers. You know, they they have a physical capability and they can offer some yak after the catch. Um, me and Corey got a little bit of disagreement here on the sheet here, but I initially wrote that they're not like the best manipulators. They're not really, you know, they tend to be higher hips, so they can't really move that well. Like they're not really in breaking guys, or I can't really say that. They're just not. I don't think they're double move type guys. Like they're not guys that are going to dance around and make you look silly the way Zay Flowers is right now in camp and the way he did at Boston College. But I think they're like a one move and go type of player. Yeah, I guess like our definition of alpha is like a little bit different than I guess. Because like to me, like an alpha is a kind of a guy who can like sort of do it all a little bit. Like I think your description probably fits like DK Metcalf who has like a little bit plus athleticism, more of a singular role in a route tree type of way. This isn't a guy who's going to run a lot of short routes and stuff like that. But like, to me, like when I'm thinking of an alpha, I'm thinking of like, 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 so like I, I might put it around like six, two. I still want to see size. It's only stuff like that, but I, I'm talking about your AJ Browns. I think is an alpha. I think Jamar chase is an alpha Andre Johnson with the tech. Like, like that's an alpha. Those are the guys I think are alphas. That can do a little bit plus athleticism, uh, savvy route runners. They can win at the line, different release combinations. They're going to ar- arguably see the most press uh, than any other spot in the lineup because, like, they're, they're singled up in formations. You got the split to the three on the, you got the three and the one guy on the one side. He's the guy on the one side. He's usually facing like a one on one coverage a lot. They're, they're left on island. So, like, they need to be able to win. They, you know, they can move inside and out as well. Like, they they they're usually on the outside but they have the ability to move inside as well like strong hands like those are my guys like there's no way you think aj brown's like a route runner though like that dude just runs slants really well like he runs he is a route runner though like if you remember his old miss days all he did was run routes out of the slot we're gonna have to disagree on that one i think i I love aj brown i don't want to think that i don't think i I think aj brown's great i just think he's dude was literally like the number one piece for like a shitty tennessee offense 
doing like everything that an alpha X wide receiver would do. And he's not an, he's not an alpha to you. I don't know. No, no, he is an alpha. I just don't think he's like a route runner. Really. I don't view him as a mover the way like Stefan Diggs is like, he can't move like that. There's no way. Oh, maybe not that, but he Stephon Diggs also doesn't have the physicality that AJ Brown has. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like that's why I didn't like putting in like Diggs and Jamar Chase and other type of manipulators into that category. I, I Jamar didn't know... Chase is super physical. Okay, I didn't mean it. Like, that was a bad example. I know he's physical. That's like his thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I meant like the Diggs and like the Garrett Wilsons. Yeah, those guys I think fit your like we can even move into it right now. Um we did put slash possession but I added technician to it. Okay. Where you yeah. Put, where, you, right. where you're saying, yeah. you know, separators, your route runners, and you even put like play style last for a while, like guys that I think fall into that bucket, as well as like your Garrett Wilson's and your stuff like that. But I mean, okay. you're talking about your, your Chris Godwin's you're talking about Keenan Allen, who has just lived on yeah. being like a savvy route running separator. Juju Smith Schuster, I think is going to have a long career in the NFL, regardless if he moves team to team, that's kind of like the low side of this or whatever. And then like, even if you look at Devi, like I think, Egbuka falls in here, Jalen McMillan, Matthew Golden. Like these guys fall into like that our position. Our entire top tier like, fall into this. Yeah. Yeah. Our, yeah. Our entire top tier really falls into this a little bit. Um, but yeah, you know, like, like to me, like the, like those guys have the ability to play in and out quick feet. They're the little, they're the manipulators. I call them the route tree artists, right? Like they, some of them like Keenan Allen in a sense might not be like the most athletic, but they do make up for it with like savvy ability to get open, you know, like, and some of these guys, I would say like, are rare deep threats. You know, like Keenan Allen's not a deep threat. Juju Smith Schuster's not really a deep threat. Chris Godwin has a little bit more to it, but still, they're more so like your intermediate, your 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 really reliable Short, guys that can get open. Yeah, that can with get some open yak with some yak upside. Yeah, yeah. Um, but really, so this is, is kind of like the trendy thing in the NFL right now. Yeah, no, I I think because we have one, two, three, four, five, six written down here. I think one of them should be moving inside the other. Um, but. Uh, these guys can have multiple skill sets. I know we just listed off like different like roles, but I think the elite guys can fill up multiple roles. Like you want those movable chess pieces that are versatile and can do more than just one. But so I, I'm, I'm with you on that. Um, I want to talk about the contested catch slash the contested catch specialist. I think maybe more of those guys go on the alpha size ones. So they're supposed to be at least in the NFL level. Uh, I think contested catch guys, like they just run straight lines. They're go route type players. Um, it's a necessary skill set. I think it's losing fancy relevance. I think that's also a little bit more old school. The last great one that's purely only a contested catch specialist in my mind is Devontae Parker. He was a first round pick. He had that one phenomenal season with um, with Ryan Fitz, Fitzmagic, and he had a contested catch rate of 92% success which is just insane. And that was his one fancy relevant season. But besides that, like for a guy that's only role was contested catches, I think that's a very much stay away from that type of style of player. I know me and Corey have talked a lot about Dorian Singer being in that role. Tylen Wallace was a Debbie darling that also filled in that role. And then I hope you guys stayed away from, but I think, I don't know. I put that down as a separate role, but I think it'd also be a subcategory of, of being an alpha, like the six foot three, 200. Like they need to have that skill set to become like an actual good alpha type of type of guy. Yeah, that's why that's why alpha ended up being a little bit of a different description for me. Like when you're talking about contested catch, more physical guys, like I even throw like like high end. If we're talking high end guys a little bit who of a fall and catch guy. I'm, like Mike Evans is probably the king of this right now. No. Oh yeah. Like yeah. a guy who can um, win in Mike the end zone right now. Yeah, Mike Williams, uh Drake London maybe being the next generation. But the NFL used to be filled with guys like this. Like like not even so long ago, Allen Robinson probably falls into this. Vincent Jackson, Brandon Marshall, Dwayne Bowe, you know. 
now the NFL is moving more towards like the separation artists who like get open a little bit quicker, but these guys were, you know, your big options that you love to throw it up to. And there's not many of them left anymore, but there's still definitely a role for them, you know, especially as like options in the red zone, a fallback option. Um, you know, they create easy reads for a quarterback who can just toss it up. Like if he, if he looks to the outside and he sees single coverage with this guy, he's like, I know I got that guy. I know he has a big size advantage, uh, advantage. I can just toss it up to him right now. So it creates a little bit of an easy read sometimes for a quarterback to rely on a little bit. I think this is something that we see Kate Klubnik doing a little bit early in his career. You know, even looking at some Debbie guys, guys like Tatoria McMillan, I think fall into this. Keon Coleman, um, our boy Colby Young, I think falls into that right now. I'm hoping we can see a little more development, but I think right now he kind of falls into that. So um, I think the main thing, that I want to see with a contest catch guy if I'm going to be buying into him, which is very seldomly that we even do. But I better see that my ball mentality, man. Johnny Wilson, this is what I get yeah. on him for all the time, is that he just doesn't attack the ball. He lets it come to him. You know, show me that my ball mentality. Go up and win it. Come back to it if you need to. Like, don't wait for it to get to you. So those are some of the things that, like, I, 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 that I don't like in those contested catch guys. But rarely do I really invest in them uh, at this point anyways. Yeah, nailed it there. Nailed it there. Um. Let's go into flankers and gadget skill sets, right? This is uh, definitely also in the category of better NFL than fantasy. So these guys are like athletes, but they're not polished as far as like route running goes. Um, they line up in the Z slot because it's just easier to be covered in the Z slot. These tend to be your yak guys. Um, so I know we talk about like Corley. Corley to me would be a, a Z type of receiver. Um, mm. The most famous Z receiver is Cooper Cup. Uh, it also benefited from really ingenious offensive play calling. Um, not saying that he couldn't do it without him, but he certainly wouldn't be the name he is today without that play calling for sure. Yeah, uh, I, don't, I I guess I fell into that. When I was thinking about this, I was more thinking of like your Rondale Moore, your Wandale Robinsons, okay. your Kadarius Tonys, like guys who really don't run routes. <laughs> like yeah. they really just like get the ball in space. They're like athletes. They're not guys that get target like their a dots are super low they're, they're more schemed like open they're schemed open like easy touches like menaces in the open field but it's like you know they, they just don't they're just not really refined route and like you said they're like you have written here they're more athlete than they are polished route runners so those are kind of the guys that i feel like fit into this a little bit um um cooper cup i think is an interesting name to put in here like for me i think i would kind of put him more in like the because i don't think he's like super athletic but i think i would put him more in like the possession technician because i do think he's a pretty good like route runner and stuff like that so i found it a little bit interesting that you decided to put him like with the flankers and gadget skill sets here i just you know it's because i know for a fact that that's where he lines up and that's where my mind my mind just went because i know that's where he lines up yeah like Puka Nakua so, is another another interesting one because that kind of breaks the mold of like we're looking at these speedy slow guy, or fast guys or whatever. He's not like super fast, but he's a guy who does everything and is schemed those touches and those gadget touches. Yeah, he's been getting some good reviews out of camp as well. I know ball, bro. I know who the <laughs> I know who the CBA is on the Eagles. Still weeding, you know still weeding for Khalil Shakir to do something. So he had a great catch in the preseason game. Why can't Why can't they hype him up the way they hyped up Gabe Davis? I want to sell him for a first. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, which one of these roles do you think is the least important? The ones that we talked about, like, which one do you like, if you had to rank these roles, which one are you like writing off? Like, yeah, I just don't want these guys. I'm writing off field stretchers for fantasy yeah, purposes, like easily. And then, so probably fan field stretchers would be last. Your gadget skill sets. Gadget would be flankers, your, yeah. yeah. It would be your, your other thing. Then you go to your, your contested catch guys. Then I'd probably go with, you know, like I really, I, I like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Alpha, the technician, like both, both those two may, might even be a one or I mean uh one, a one B 
Yeah, possession on top. Possession technicians are on top. Yeah, for you, eh? Yeah, that, those are the kind that you like. Yeah, 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 for sure. I, when you do a hit on the office, though, like you, I think you profit pretty well. You know, I just but but it, the majority are now technicians. Um, I did want to. I didn't write this on the sheet. I want to talk about athleticism because we mention athleticism all the time. The whole the whole point of this uh, episode. So I actually skipped over my little intro earlier, but I'm going to use it now. Was that I got the idea from this show because I'm writing these articles for my watch list. I'm, I'm writing my 2024 YCR watch list, the running back watch list, both really hefty articles. Uh, the wiser one mentions 39 prospects. The running back one mentions 20. I actually I actually cut it down to 20 because I think only about 20 get drafted each year anyway. So I like that's what I cut it down to. Um, but I wanted to go more into detail because I, I write shorthanded. I'm like, all right, they don't have NFL traits, but I like, don't really explain what NFL traits are. And that was the whole point of me and Corey doing this today. Um, it's just to talk about each position and traits. Uh, this was also like low key inspired by a Giants fan that found a tweet I made eight months ago about Jalen Hyatt. And he just thought that since Jalen Hyatt got clocked in at 24 miles per hour in practice, that he's the next Tyree kill. I just had an issue with a statement I made about, about Jalen Hyatt like eight months ago. And I told him my statement still stands. It doesn't matter how fast he is. Athleticism only gets you so far in the NFL before you need to be able to do a little bit more than just run really fast. You know, uh, so I, I think athleticism matters, but I really hate the combine. Like the like these guys train for a physical, a, a, just a singular physical event every single year. Um, like, and, and, and there's, there's functional athleticism and then there's just training for athleticism. I go to the gym. I'm six foot two, two twenty. I'm prior army. I did a lot of work with, with special ops for about three years. Like I, I understand what functional athleticism is. And I also understand when I go to the gym now and I just stay at home and I go bench, like, I'm not really like, I'm not, I'm not lifting cars. I don't, I don't have functional athleticism anymore. It's a little bit sad. I used to be a much better athlete as a person, but like, that's what muscle is. And I'm training for those events. Like I'm not really, so I hate the combine because these kids don't, really trained to be better football players. They're just trained to be better at the singular event they're training for. I'm trained to be really good at the 40, but they're wearing, they're wearing wings, like wind suits and like skin tight stuff. They're not wearing pads. They're not running with a football. So I care more about miles per hour on a football field. Cause that actually shows me true athleticism. So, so uh, as far as athleticism goes, I care more about on field athleticism. I think the combine stupid outside of like, outside of like interviews and just confirming priors and those guys that are way less athletic than you thought, like I think that matters as well too. But I, I, I think for the most part, it's just overblown. And then like the RAS score, you know, like these guys are always like top tier athletes. You know, if you watch like clips of, uh, sorry for my rant, Corey. Corey's getting all frustrated. <laughs> if you watch, if you watch like Drew Brees run a forty, he's wearing a baggy T-shirt like he came back from like the Ja Rule concert. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it's it's evolved over time. So I just feel stupid being like. Well, this player is a top tier athlete. Well, yeah, he did one event out of the seven. I'm sure he is. He's really good at that one thing. Good for him. What if DK Metcalf only did one event? You know, so it's just athleticism is different than actual combine. I just hate the combine. I, I rather see different ways to measure stuff on the field. I think we're probably starting to adapt some of those things. Um, thank you for that long rant, but I, <laughs> I think we are starting to ad adapt some of those, uh, some of those new things like on-field technology, you know, even you're seeing it at the senior bowl where they're tracking like deceleration, acceleration, how fa in fast you are in and out of your brakes. You know, even when you're looking at top speeds, like max uh, miles per hour, like how often are you even hitting those things? Like we kind of want to see some of those better ways to measure, you know, uh, change of direction skills and how fast you're getting off the ball and how quickly you can get 
beat by somebody and how much yards of separation you're getting. Like we're slowly starting to edge more towards that. And I feel like that's kind of like the future. Like maybe the combine is going to change because it is a little bit archaic right now. Like the way we got to put these guys through these drills and like expect like this is going to tell us how they are as football players. I think there's probably a better realm, a, a better way to do it. Um, I think we're, we're heading in that direction. We're probably just not there yet, but I, I don't know if it'll ever change because it's such a money-making event, but um, and then dude it, just put on weight for no reason. Like James Cook weighed in at 199 and then immediately you can see it in his arms. He just stopped working yeah. out. He went from, he went from 190 to 199. Yeah. yeah back to 190. Yeah. <laughs> his arms were massive. And I was like, this guy definitely hit the gym and did arm day. Like he got the SpongeBob anger arms. Like that's what he did. Yeah. So uh, that's my rant for the combine and athleticism. Uh, you'll hear it again probably also before the combine, and then me and Corey will go over the combine. I'll be I'll be simmering the whole entire episode. I'm gonna cut it out. I'm gonna cut it out. What? <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> <laughs> Gary, up! I gotta uh, go to work, man. All right, all right, Corey's got to get going, guys. I just want you guys to thank you for joining us here. Uh, this 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 episode for the scouts. Um, again, if you want to go and. <clears throat> And be that smug guy that knows every player in the preseason football and just dunk on your on your friends. Go ahead and grab yourself some some canvas, some retro gear over at Home Field Apparel with the code Campus, the number two, and then Canton for fifteen percent off your first purchase. Get the Home Field Apparel. Just look like you know ball out there. All right, just be the scout that you think you are. All right. From Corey and from Mike. Good night and good luck.